This morning, I want to take a few minutes to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we made our way to 1 Timothy chapter 6 because as a family, St. Michael is reading through the New Testament five chapters at a time, and we've kind of made our way through the Gospels and into the, um, the other letters that have written and into this letter written to Timothy. So if you're just joining us, uh, we, we'd love to have you on that adventure. And if you're visiting with us from <clears throat> Emmanuel or from another church, uh, just know that that's kind of what the journey that we are on. And so as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and that will be one of the readings in the week ahead, uh, one phrase sticks out to me more than any other from that reading, and that is, fight the good fight of faith. And I think it really sticks out to me because uh, if you're like me, I've been in some fights that I was not prepared for. Uh, And if I think back to kind of my middle school days, I'm not very proud of either, right? Um, But when we think about what it means to fight the good fight, we have things that come to mind, right? It might be a relationship, right? It it might be um, a, a sport that we do. It might be a career that we have. Whatever the case may be, I think that there's things that tie all of those together. And I think one of them is the importance of training. So as you think about a sport, oftentimes when you are learning something new, they teach you what not to do first, right? Or, or teach you how to be safe within that. For instance, when I learned how to snowboard when I was in middle school, I learned how to fall first. Because if you don't know how to fall correctly, and you're going down a hill at extreme speeds, you're going to break something. Right? That's the same way with our daughter in gymnastics. One of the first things they taught was how to, how to get out of a fall safely and roll and not break an arm or a leg. I think of some of our, our members who are carpenters, right? They don't start Uh, training and learning how to work with wood without knowing the safety and the equipment to keep them safe from where they are. I also think that's the same way in our marriages for those of us who are married, then that's why premarital counseling is so important because we need to learn what it means to fight the good fight and not just start going head to head on different battles. And so as Paul begins this section of scripture, and he's talking about fighting the good fight of the faith, he gives us some of those things that we need to watch out for. And so he starts this with these words, right? If anyone teaches otherwise outside of uh, the sound instruction of Jesus Christ, they're conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversy and quarrels about words that result in envy and strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth. You see, Paul wants us to see that when we are left to our own devices, oftentimes we turn internal. We turn to, uh, what about me? And that mentality has a way of gripping us in a way that we become envious. We see someone who has something that we want, 
and then we focus on how can we get that thing. Or they've risen to a level above where we're at, so we're just going to start lies, right? That malicious talk and start knocking them down. And it's all about, what about me? Where do I fit in this? Why can't I have that? And Paul understands that if we can identify that sin in our life that is creating those selfish desires, and we flee from those things, we begin to have something different about us. And and he goes from that into like a a little bit of a a 30,000 foot view and changing your perspective. Because the reality is that at some point in our lives, we all have those things that creep in. Those thoughts that are, well, what about me? This is, this, is, this is really about me and what I want and I need right now here in this place. Well, Paul says, well, no, it, it's really about contentment. Be, be content with what you have because you didn't bring anything into the world and you won't take anything out. And so if you can start looking at the world with that lens, you begin to see a different world around you that says, you know what? It's not all about me. It's not all about me. But then Paul goes a step further. He tells us to flee these things, but then he goes and talks about pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And as we begin to look at what it means to fight the good fight of faith, I think he draws these out in this order for a reason, because it begins to shift the focus and that perspective that we gain by looking at, hey, if we, we, we come in with nothing and we leave with nothing. And so what do these have to do with fighting the good fight of faith? Well, righteousness, right? So that is uh, kind of how we're made right with God. And if we understand that that only happens because God came to us in Jesus, we now can no longer say, you know what, uh, it's all about me. Because really, really, we are be- beginning to pursue what it means to be all about Jesus and what he's done for us. Godliness. In Paul's mind, this is not that you can achieve being God. This is a pursuit of seeing Jesus for who he is and what his life was all about and saying, you know what? Each and every day I can try a little bit harder to be a little bit more like Jesus. Because we're connected to him and what he's done for us, we can see him as an example of where we're supposed to shift and move into so that as we look at the faith we have, we look at that identity that we have as a solid foundation of being a loved and forgiven child of God and having a hope for tomorrow. We can say, okay, well, we know that, we know that God has done all this for us to love and forgive us, and we want to strive to be like him. How do we do that? We stand firm on the foundation that he has given us. And we stand firm on our faith. And in that faith, we know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Those are the words from Romans as we started our worship today. There's neither height nor depth. There's nothing out there. 
And that love doesn't just focus on us, but it focuses on the world so that as we stand on that foundation of faith, we can see it coming into our lives and we can share it with the lives of the people around us. And to be able to do that, you have to have endurance, right? Because life is hard and envy and malicious talk and all of the corrupt things that come into our minds are there whether we want them there or not. And so we have to run this race. We have to fight the good fight of faith with endurance and keep up every day trying to figure out what it means to be a little bit more like Jesus. And then as we do that, we see, we see the world through a different lens. And no longer is it envy and all about me, but it becomes all about the other person and people in our lives. And that changes perspective to say, let's handle this with a little bit of gentleness. And so you can see as Paul is talking about pursuing these characteristics, he's moving us from a point where we see who Jesus is and what he's done for us, being able to find an identity there, but then moving into how we can share that with the world around us. And so he goes on to say, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life that you talked about in your good confession. And he doesn't just talk to, about the confession that we have of, of who Jesus is and that identity we have in him. He also talks about the confession of Jesus. And I just want to read that one more time. This is Pilate and Jesus, right? Pilate says, you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. You see, the good confession that Jesus had was that his love and his forgiveness were for everyone. That there was no one excluded from that. That truth brings a hope into our lives. And it changes who we are. So if we find that we have a firm foundation on that identity of being a loved and forgiven child of God, then we too can make a confession, a good confession. But how do we do that? Well, number one, we, we're in the word, right? We're learning what it means to be like Jesus, to, to see him and his ministry and the way that he went about loving people in real time, in, in real words, in front of us, not just trying to guess what they may say, but opening up. And that's what our reading plan and, and the journey that we've been on this year is all about. So you'll see in your bulletin on the very back that you're, you got references that we put together to help us through this reading plan as we do it all together as a church family. You also have the commandments, right? Where, where we're to keep the commandments. And if we we look at the Ten Commandments, and we fast forward to Jesus' conversation with the people around him. We see that they boil down to kind of two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we can look at the confessions of our lives and say, how are we loving 
God and, and see that anchoring point to keep us anchored in that identity of being a loved and forgiven child of God. But then how does that actually impact us? And how do we live it out? Because part of the commandments is loving yourself so that you can love others the way you love yourself. And so we see that love coming through God into our lives so that we can share it out with people. Another way that we make a good confession is that we actually join together in confessing what it is that we believe, who God is, and what he's done for us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And and we're a, a, a creedal church, which means that we lift up the creeds of the first century and the third century, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And we speak them together in a way of confessing our faith. And actually, I'm going to invite you to stand up right now. Let's stand up right now together. And we're going to confess our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. And I invite you to have a seat. <clears throat> Do you know why we stand when we confess our Christian faith together? There, there's a reason. It's not just to stretch our legs and, and to get our wiggles out. It's because I think, for me, it's, there's two, two really big reasons. Number one, when we stand, we can project. We can we can actually claim it. We can say it boldly. But also, we stand because we stand unified. It, it, if we sit and we say it, we may be trying to guess what someone across the room is actually thinking and saying at that point. But if we stand together, we see this confession as a church that says, this is what I believe, but not only what I believe, this is what my Neighbors to my left and to my right, those in the pews and in the chairs or maybe at home, all believe and we're all saying it at the same time. And so we are making a good confession of our faith together. And so as we look at what it means to fight the good fight, we really see it as a way of claiming our identity of saying, yes, we are children of God and living that out in an everyday way. And we lean into living it out by pursuing being more connected to Jesus and to others. That's our mission statement here at St. Michael, which means that, that we're, we're looking at how we can be transformed by God's love so that we can share it to the world around us. And we look at a discipleship model 
that helps us see that. And that's what that reading guide is really formed from. It's becoming more like him. In our everyday life, as we read scripture and as we are touched by it, then we understand more and more what it means to be loved and forgiven. And so that we can take that and internalize it, but then we take it into the world with us wherever we go. We find belonging in a church, which means we can stand together and boldly make a good confession of what we believe. Because we're in the fight together. We fight the good fight of the faith alongside one another. And so we find our belonging within our community groups and our connect groups and our families and extended families and the people we do life with. And out of all that flows blessings that we can take what, what we know and who we are and we can bless his world in mighty ways. And so my hope for you is that this week, if you're a part of our reading plan, and even if you're not, that you do pick up 1 Timothy chapter 6 and you read and you reflect on it. And you reflect on how God is speaking into your life to help you fight the good fight of faith. Not to stand in, in these realms of saying, you know, it's all about me. But how is God helping you fight the good fight, to change perspective, to see your identity grounded in him and that love and forgiveness that he offers, that he has blessed us with so that we in turn can look at the world around us in a new way and we can fight the fight of the faith and share that with the world. My hope is that you can see that playing out in your life this week in mighty ways as we go out and we fight the good fight of the faith. Amen.